Welcome to Hive Mind, the weekly podcast from the Beehive about the latest and greatest in pop culture. I am here with Eli McCann. Hey, Eli, how are you? Hey, Meg, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited to talk TV today. What have you been watching? A couple of things. I started Atlanta. I'm mm. burning my way through it. And Atlanta does a thing that uh, some movies and TV shows do. It causes me a very particular kind of stress. And it's a money stress. Yeah. I find out that I find that I get really, really stressed when a, there is a plot point where a person like has limited funds and they're constantly conscious of that. And so like there are several episodes where like there's one where he goes on a date and he only has like $90 to his name, but he like wants to go to like an okay restaurant and like they're ordering and she's kind of ordering and he's like trying to order like le- that is a very particular kind of stress. It's the same stress that I had, by the way, when I watched Uncut Gems, which I talked about last time. Yeah. Where, like, the entire plot is just, like, you're constantly, like, running the numbers in your head and, like, how are they going to get that money? How is he going to get this back? He's got to get that money, you know, whatever else. So that part has been rough for me. <laughs> but I love the show. Yeah, it's, it's good, really huh? good. Every Every single character in it is fantastic. And I want to spend more time with every character. And I don't find shows like that very often. Yeah, Lakeith Stanfield, every time he's on screen, I'm like, make a show just about him. You know, oh, like, yeah. make a show about all of them. All of them. They all deserve their own stories. I think season three is in the works. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm almost done with season two. I didn't, I didn't realize that three wasn't out yet. So. Have you watched the... Um the kind of the horror one they do where he buys a piano no okay we'll talk about it next week okay (laughs) what else have you been watching and then i have been watching on your recommendation the the great is it called the great Uh uh-huh and uh this is a very good show this is exactly in my wheelhouse yeah because it's like russian history and i love that stuff um it sort of it, it reminds me a lot of Emma, the new adaptation okay. that yeah. like came out a few months ago. It has a very similar vibe to that. This is better. Um, it's like kind of a more... It, it's easier for me to follow anyway. And um, I think the characters are a little wacky, but they're not quite the favorite wacky. Hey, I think I pitched it to you as if the favorite chilled out a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like these kind of absurd circumstances and line readings but they're played more warmly yeah than um the director whose name i can never pronounce who does mm-hmm. the favorite and the lobster tells his stories yeah so and you and i texted a little bit about this and you said that you were I- intrigued by the diversity casting yes I think it's interesting because they, you know, it's a Russian court and they have a lot of black actors and um, Asian actors and all kinds of actors. And at first you're kind of like, wait, this is Russia. But then it's like, this is a this is a representation of something. This is a play. Like, why yeah. do we care if a black person is playing this person in Russian court? Like, this is all performative. They're all reading a script. They're all acting. Right. We should do more of this. Like, why not just cast more people of color in every show? Yeah, so, and I, I can't quite get a handle on what it is that they're doing or what makes this unique, but it's, there is a lot of diversity in the cast, 
but it doesn't feel so in your face that that's what you're thinking about while you're watching it. So do you remember in the 90s, the Brandy, like Cinderella adaptation? Sure. How could I forget? I mean, it's phenomenal. (laughs) Whitney Houston, Brandy, everybody. And, And in that, that was kind of revolutionary in a few ways, one of which was that they had a ton of diversity casting in it. Um, like you, you had, you know, parents that were, you know, somebody who was Asian, somebody who was black and they had a child who was neither of those things. And like, and they just, they, they kind of threw it all out the window and they're like, we don't care. We're not going to try and be consistent with, you know, this and that. And, but I remember when that came out and I think if you still watched it now, that would be so present. It'd be like, oh, here's an extremely intentional choice. Like they kind of are throwing it at you. Yeah. And the great doesn't feel that way. It sort of feels like it's like there's like a subtle blending of just like a bunch of different types of people. And like every once in a while while I watch the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, like good diversity casting. But for the most part, I'm not really thinking about it. Yeah. And I don't know. I'm not really sure how they're doing that differently, but whatever they're doing, they're doing it well. And I think that that's evidence it's, of the fact it's that It's not they are. the point. The point right. isn't like, look at these people of color we've cast. It's like, look at these actors who are playing this role, yeah. who happen to be people of color. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I mean, I don't know how to articulate this point anymore, but like, it's all pretend. You know, it's a show anybody can play the part like yeah. in any show it yeah. really does not matter yeah. what color they are anything else um that's kind of it for me so we watched season two of what we do in the shadows mm. on fx the show based on the mockumentary about vampires it's really great it's just very silly okay it's very silly humor but also smart taika watiti um, is the showrunner for that and it's just a good 30 minutes so he the only thing I've actually seen of what he's done is Jojo Rabbit okay does does he have like a similar vibe is that like his regular vibe no no that's much more serious than what he usually does he's pretty goofy okay um, like Hunt for the Wilder People did you ever see that Mm-mm. you would love it you should watch Hunt okay. for the Wilder People um, just kind of dry societal humor I would say like there's one character in it who's an energy vampire so he like works in a cubicle and he loves it because his whole thing is he drains people's energy Uh and so like small talk is a lot of how he like gets his nourishment like the way they play his character is really funny he lives with these other actual vampires okay who have all these just funny things like it's just like put a vampire in the real world and see how they do and the answer is not well okay uh so it's just it's fun it's funny um i have started at night watching kind of reality competitions with ivy my Mm. eight-year-old and we watched the big flower fight which is a lot like the great british baking show except floral design And so they do like these big giant flower projects, um, and it's it's the same vibe as the um, Great, Great British, British Baking Show. Mm-hmm. It's just like a calming, well lit, somewhere in England field of flowers, and you watch these people just play with flowers for hours, this, and it's it's amazing. This sounds amazing it's for right very now. Very calming. Yeah. Very very calming. Okay. We've also been watching Zumbo's Just Desserts, which okay. is Australian. Um, and it's a competition led by a dessert, I would say, artist who mm. comes up with all these like crazy dessert creations and the competitors have to make their own and then replicate the ones he does. 
I'd give it a B, but it's like a fun show to watch with a kid because it's like bright and the desserts are crazy. Okay. So anyway, um, we today wanted to talk about the shows that make us feel better, specifically the movies that make us feel better. The other day, I was just having a bad day for no particular reason. It was just kind of like one of those everything was off kind of days. Mm-hmm. I was in a terrible mood. And by the end of the day, I was just like, Ugh, just want to watch a movie. And there was only one movie that really fit the bill. Uh-huh. And so today we're talking about what that movie is. What's the movie we turn to when you just need like something to scratch that itch? And for me, that movie is The Big Short. Oh, wow. Interesting choice. I have no idea why. Uh-huh. I have no idea why I like this movie so much and keep returning to it. It's about a group of rich white guys mm-hmm. who are kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. It's about the financial world, of which I know very little. Mm-hmm. The movie is wildly overwritten. There are chunks and chunks of dialogue that you could take out. And it's also very, like, explainy to the audience, almost, like, pedantic to the audience. Like, I should be very annoyed by this movie, but there's something about it that is so entrancing. Uh And I think it might be the performances. Okay. Um, I have a real affinity for Steve Carell. Yeah. Even though, like, we've talked about this. Has he had any good parts? Other than The Office? Not really. I don't think... My my one exception is that, and I can never remember what it's called, but that boxing movie he did several years mm. ago. You you though I had, still have not seen it. And you told me that you wondered if I'm just giving him more credit than he deserves because they did so much like prosthetics to his face. Yeah. And ever since you said that, I've kind of like wondered if that's true because literally everything else I see him in, I'm like, ooh, not very good. Yeah. It's right. Kind of hammy. But and, I do like him in this, yeah. even though he's just New York Steve Carell. Christian Bale, I think, is great in it. Mm-hmm. Um, guy from Succession, I really like. Mm. Uh, and then there's this moment where Brad Pitt gives a speech. He's gone. Oh! Don't do that. Stop. Stop. Stop that. Charlie. Oh! Stop it. Stop. What? Do you have any idea what you just did? Come on, we just made the deal of our lifetimes. We should celebrate. You just bet against the American economy. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Which means... Oh! Which means, if we're right... If we're right, people lose homes. People lose jobs. People lose retirement savings. People lose pensions. You know what I hate about banking? It reduces people to numbers. Here's a number. Every 1% unemployment goes up. 40,000 people die. Did you know that? No. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. We were just excited. Dance. All right. Mm-hmm. And it's like very dumb and very eye rolly, but I get chills every time. Uh-huh. What is it about this movie? Do you like the big short? I have only seen parts of it, so <gasps> I honestly can't weigh in very well on this, but like I'm surprised that you find it comforting. I know. <laughs> uh, that's also the thing. It's about the financial crisis. Like, it should be stressful. It should be infuriating. It's, yeah. I should hate this movie and the way it makes me feel, but there's just something about it. What's that movie for you? Well, I, I have I have a movie that is exactly that movie for me, but I'm I'm didn't I'm not picking that one because I feel like we beat it to death on this podcast, and that is You've Got Mail. Oh sure. We've talked so much about You've yeah. Got Mail that I felt like I had to pick a different movie. 
Um, and as I got thinking about it, I was like, okay, Eli, you're having a stressful day. You come home and you just want to watch a familiar film. What's that going to be? And you know what it is? Tell me. The Devil Wears Prada. Oh. Which is like... Yes, I get it. I could I could record a 20-hour podcast criticizing that movie. Yeah. And how much I hate the friends in it. And yeah. the boyfriend is terrible. And uh, I don't particularly like Anne Hathaway's character. But I just want to like sit with Miranda Priestly and watch her be competent. And there's something so comforting about that to me. And maybe it's that I see the jokes coming and I have every line memorized. And there's just like some comfort in that predictability and like seeing pretty shiny things and hearing people deliver those jokes really well over and over, over and over and over again. But I could never get sick of watching that movie. I don't think I could either. That's a really good pick. What is that movie without Meryl Streep? Nothing. That movie is nothing. That movie is garbage. Yeah. And is that movie actually low-key garbage, but because Meryl Streep is so good in it, we love it? She ele- she elevates that movie. It Honestly, if you had cast anyone else in her part, I am positive I would have seen that movie and been like, that was total trash. Like, the the plot doesn't make a lot of sense. There There's so many gaps in the plot. I mean, the fact that, sh- that Anne Hathaway's character shows up and gets this job in the first place is kind of a weird plot yeah. device at the beginning because it's like, okay, this incredibly competitive job, she apparently didn't even know what it was. She showed up and gave the worst speech to Meryl Streep where she's like, I'm smart and I will work hard and maybe I'm not pretty. Okay, Anne Hathaway, <laughs> but I will be very good at this job. And then Meryl Streep's like, hmm, no one's ever said that before. And then she, like, hires her. Like, all of that is just, like, completely insane. The way the friends act from beginning to end, where they're, like, essentially bullying her for, like, trying at her job is so infuriating. Yeah. And then the fact that the movie, it is the movie's position that the boyfriend was right in the end. Like, you you, you don't, you get to the end and Anne Hathaway kind of, like, shows up and meets with the guy at the restaurant and she's like, I just wanted to say you were right about everything. And he's like, okay. And then they, like, get back together and it's like, no, he, he was right about nothing. Okay, let's talk about this. Okay. The point, the reason he's mad is because she's, like, working late, right? Yeah. He's a chef. What is he doing? Like, he must be a terrible chef oh. if he's not working late every night. That's literally the job. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think part of what's so frustrating is it's not like, oh, you're going to go have a different life now and I don't fit into it. What she has done is she has set up at the beginning of the movie, I am told... If I go do this kind of crazy job that's going to require me to work a lot more for the next year, it will be good for my future yeah. and I can get any job that I want. And he can't just suck it up for a year. For a year. Like, I mean, you you have had a husband go through law school and have, like, stressful work times. Yeah. And you just, you just deal with it. I'm amazing. I, you're wife of the year. But, like, and I've been in the same situation. And it's just like, yeah, sometimes your partner just, like, has a lot going on and you just deal with it so she got a lot hotter like what's your complaint here and and uh like she missed his birthday like he's a four-year-old i know (laughs) yeah like i'm sorry that i missed your what like he's like 29 like like, who cares why are you still having birthday parties why are there people at your house for your birthday watch a movie that's all adults do on their birthday (laughs) yeah so anyway despite all of that um it, it, because Meryl Streep is there and because she is so fun to watch, yeah. 
it makes up for all, all of that tenfold. Well, and Stanley Tucci. A, yeah. You got the Tucci factor. Yeah. It's it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie. This is It's th- about fashion. This movie is just like Julia Julia, where if they would have just kept Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci and dropped everyone else, it would have been a better film. Like, just make a yeah. movie with Meryl Streep and Stanley Tucci. I just, I want a movie that's just Meryl Streep lecturing people about fashion. Like, the speech <laughs> she gives about Cerulean oh. and the belts. Yeah. And then Cerulean quickly showed up in the collections of eight different designers. And then it uh, filtered down through the department stores and then trickled on down into some tragic casual corner where you no doubt fished it out of some clearance bin. However, that blue represents millions of dollars and countless jobs. And it's sort of comical how you think that you've made a choice that exempts you from the fashion industry when in fact you're wearing a sweater that was selected for you by the people in this room from a pile of stuff. I mean, put that right in my veins. (laughs) That is the best scene of the entire movie. I wish I could make it my ringtone. (laughs) You should make that your ringtone. Can I make that my ringtone? I think you could do that. I think that would be really good. Just incredible work coming out of her. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But sometimes I just got to sit down and I got to watch the big short. I will say that I've watched it probably 20 plus times and I... I'm getting a little bit closer to understanding the financial crisis. Will I ever understand it completely? Absolutely not. No. And by by the time you did, there would be a new one. Do you think there's anybody who understands the financial I, crisis? I do not believe anyone understands the financial <laughs> crisis. This is I, I used to say um, back to, like in the early 2000s when everybody was fighting about the war in Iraq and whatever else. And I never felt informed enough to like engage in those conversations. But yeah. I fe- and I always felt guilty that I didn't know more because I understood that it was important. But I used to always say the people that I trust the least are the ones who seem to have like a who act like they have a firm grasp on this because I don't think it's possible. Like when something gets that complicated, I'm like, if you're that confident, then I just think that you don't know what's going on, but you're dangerous about it because you think you do. This is kind of a hyper specific local example, but like the inland port. Oh yeah. (laughs) Anyone who like has a strong opinion on the inland port. I'm like, how? What? What if you read? There are so many things about it. Like, what have how you could been you exposed possibly to? Possibly feel strongly one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. The older I get, the more I realize nobody knows what they're talking about. One hundred percent. Could I uh, pluck? I know we were just going to pick one movie each, but please. Um, I there is a more recent movie that has very quickly become a comfort movie for me that I have now watched over and over again. Tell me about it, Lady Bird. Really? And I think a lot of it is because... I mean, it, it's a phenomenal film. Yeah. Like, it's... It, I honestly think it's, like, nearly a perfect film. But I think what it is, is it's depicting a time that was when you and I were in high school. Yes. And and it, they do it really well. And I haven't really seen... I mean, can you think of any other movies in the last, like, 10 years that are trying to depict, like, early 2000s? No. Not, no, and that's why I loved it. Really? and And so, like... And to see her, and the the main character in it is the age that we were, yeah, you know, at that time. And so to like watch her in this, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is this is a movie about me in high school in 2002, or yeah. you know, 2003 or whatever. And it's very like nostalgic for me, even yeah. though it's like somebody in a completely different place experiencing things that are very different than what I experienced at that time. Um, 
And then also, I just think, like, the characters are so lovely in that movie that, like, I want to spend time with them. Like, I enjoy just being around them. Um, Sorsha Ronan's character is a little obnoxious, but, like, she's obnoxious in a way that, like, I find it a little bit endearing and I, I kind of like that she's around she's obnoxious in the way I think the movie makes you feel like a mom like you're <laughs> yeah you're watching her and you're like oh my daughter is really going through it right now yeah you know like you love her she, she's gonna by, be okay yeah she'll come out of this and then she'll look back on this time and be like oof I was uh, she's a very lot. 17 yeah. yeah 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 that's interesting I've only I have not watched it since watching it in the theater almost I feel like because it was such an impactful experience and I don't want to revisit it and have it be less impactful. Yeah, that may be true. I, I'll just say it has been just as good to me every time I watch it. And uh, I, I kind of think maybe Greta Gerwig is going to be the person who makes the movies that bring us comfort for the rest of our lives. Yeah, I think you're right. Because Little Women's the same way. I've watched that a few times and I find, all, I find that incredibly soothing. Little Women was a little hard for you. I remember you yeah. having a hard, the yeah, visceral reaction to Little Women. I find yes, that's true. I find watching Little Women to be like a very soothing, comforting experience. It, yeah, it kind of was triggering to me in a few ways, and like made me put me in a weird funk for a few days. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to even explain it, but it wasn't a bad thing. Okay. An introspective um, thing, maybe. Yeah, like it was. It was very positive. Okay. For me, but like, yeah, the the Sorcheronin character, like, I really related to in that movie, and it made me kind of, it kind of, yeah, it just kind of triggered like a lot of emotion in me. And maybe in on rewatches, I haven't felt that nearly as strongly, and maybe because I kind of got that out of my system. But um, I want to live in their house, and I yeah. want to like live at that time, except I want like TV and penicillin. <laughs> Yeah, it's only so much needle. And I want women to be able to vote and stuff. (laughs) All of that. Um, I have one more, too. This isn't a movie. It's actually an episode of a show, and it's just one episode. Do you watch Documentary Now? Yeah. They do an episode called Co-op, which is a parody of the documentary about Stephen Sondheim's company. Okay. I don't really care about Stephen Sondheim. I've never seen Company. The parody should be lost on me. Co-op is the funniest like 40 minutes I've ever seen. Really? Yes. Okay. Um, John Mulaney is the Stephen Sondheim character in this and he's like low-key abusive to everyone in the cast like and very condescending Mm-hmm. Richard Kind plays one of the oh, performers okay. in it. Amazing. Uh, Paula Pell gives the best performance of the entire episode. I almost don't want to explain what happens in it because it's just so, so funny. It's like of a time of like 70s when it was like that weird, like kind of beigey color of film yeah. for everything. They've got like that beiginess to it. Yeah. All right. This is it, people. Settle. Co-op, take one. At the co-op, it's Mozart's under scaffolding. Co-op, the staff can't do anything. Co-op, but they might still strike this spring. That's the gossip at the mail drop. Here in our co-op. Whose package is this? Something from overnight insulin emergency providers? 
going once, twice, no. Nope. Okay, garbage time. Bye bye, box. Go up. Why's the water shut off today? Go up. The super just walked away. Go up. I'd rather squat in a long than stay in this one stop Cold up, go up. 22 floors and a roof tech that's off limits. 160 units managed by a staff of dimmers. We pay a king's ransom for a just really deadpan, really funny performances. It'll switch your mood around anytime you're having a bad day. Okay, good to know. Okay, co-op documentary now. I'm going to do that tonight. I need something like that tonight. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we should go. Um, we'll be back in two weeks with another episode of Hive Mind. Cool. And have a great two weeks until then. Bye.